liability. Of course, they would take care of it that the amount will not be exactly the same because that would invite suspicion. So it's different amounts and they try to, it may possibly involve other banks, that it's a legitimate commercial transaction in the process of being cleared. But in fact, they are interested only in one thing, which is to create uh, value out of nothing. Simply by taking advantage of the float and on the fact that there is no such a thing as instantaneous clearing. And of course this was early recognized in law and they uh, studied it, uh, legal scholars and so on, and they came up with laws and it's very well uh, formulated in the criminal code. The, the, uh, it, it does a good job. This kind of white-collar crime is very well defined. The thing is that they make an exception. And that's quite unconstitutional. Because there's nothing in the Constitution which would exempt the Treasury from uh, committing a crime or the Federal Reserve, or any other institution or government agency uh, or international institutions, financial institutions. There's just nothing. It is still a crime whether committed by a private individual, private firm, a bank, or a central bank, or an international bank. A crime is a crime, and no exemptions. So this is at the very heart of the problem, that violating the Constitution, exempting themselves, the Treasury, the US Treasury, and the US Federal Reserve System conspire. They are going to uh, engage in check kiting and the way they do it is that the Treasury issues bonds, unlimited amount of US Treasury bonds. Question of maturity is not important here from our point of view. And the Federal Reserve will accept these bonds and against these bonds as security, as backing, as reserve, will issue money. Either Federal Reserve notes, bank notes, which serve as hand-to-hand -hand money, or deposits, Federal Reserve deposits, which is used by banks as reserve for their credit, their loan activities. So there it is. The, conspiry, the conspiracy is manifested by the agreement that the Federal Reserve will accept unlimited amount of bonds and create its own liabilities. 
And then the bond is payable at maturity in paper money which uses the same bond as security, as backing. That's the worst kind of throwing dust into the eyes of the people. The fact that there is this conspiracy is completely uh, made fuzzy. It is the the general public will go for it, and they just blind to see the fraud, the crime which is being committed. But that is what is going on. You see, and and. Uh, as I say, there is just no justification for uh, this type of activity. The double standard in law. The fact that there is, or there are in fact two institutions which can issue liabilities and take no responsibility for it other than making sure that it's printed on fine paper highest quality, put in these metal threads against counterfeiting and using the highest quality ink and uh, watermarks so you can and all kinds of high technology things just to confuse you. But the fact that it was created in bad faith in the first place, no mention. And if you as an economist, as a monetary economist, point this out, they are poo-pooed by government economists, academic economists. That, oh, what a nitpicking. <laughs> you, are, you are making a mountain out of a molehole. Because, because it works. And that's the proof of the the proof of the pie is in the eating. People buy it. That's the proof. Not what the law says, not what the constitution says, not what your inner feeling of justice says. People can be fooled, so let's fool them. And what about the question that the day of reckoning may just dawn sometime? Oh, let our children, let our grandchildren worry about this. It won't happen in our days. We just get rich, retire on high pensions and so on, and the future will take care of itself. In any case, it hasn't happened. And we have been doing that since 1913. Remember, next year will be a very important anniversary, the centennial of the establishment of the Federal Reserve. Now, mind you, if you go back to the original Federal Reserve Act of 1913, it doesn't, it is not based on double standard of justice because the backing for these Federal Reserve notes originally were real bills and that's in written into the law 
In fact, the Federal Reserve Banks were not allowed to use treasury bills and treasury bonds as backing for their liabilities. They were not, precisely because of the opportunity it would have uh, given rise to, to do check kiting. For that reason, they, there was a very sharp line of separation between the authority of the Treasury. The Treasury was obliged to deal with the market. And the Federal Reserve was obliged to deal with the market also. They were not allowed to make background deals, backroom deals. Every clearing, every exchange had to go through the open market. However, they, as time went by, ignored that. I am not arguing with the original Federal Reserve Act of 1913 because it did make the proper distinctions. It did make the proper, it did provide for proper safeguards against fraud, against check fighting against outright uh, cheating. It is all in it. You can uh, download it on the internet and read it. It's a clean, well, there, there are minor points which can be criticized, which were actually in the course of time became fatal and the whole thing became rotten because the worm were introduced the worms were introduced into the apple but but on the face of it the federal reserve act of 1913 is not a rotten document it has spots it has spots of weakness it has uh, uh, points which can be criticized, can be improved, but the intent of defrauding the public is not there, as it became, uh, became obvious later that the interest. In particular, Lillian uh, uh, will uh, circulate, what is it, little so that's a church activity, but she will mention on the back the amendment to the Federal Reserve Act of 1913, made in 1935. So that's 22 <coughs> years later they amended, and it's amendment 14 14B. B. 14b. Please take a note. And, and that is that is where the worm was introduced in the apple. What this amendment says is that actually the Federal Reserve Banks can use government bonds and bills as backing for Federal Reserve notes. And of course it's written in such a technical language that the layman 
will pass over and see nothing wrong with it. Uh, this is just a housekeeping change, introducing a, a, a new vacuum cleaner to keep the house uh, hold more efficient. We have to keep up with the improvement of technology. So that's how it's presented. But that is the dishonest thing. This legalizes check kiting, this conspiracy uh, of two government, two arms of the government. One is the treasury, the other is uh, this, uh, uh, the Federal Reserve, the central bank, which is really a private, owned by private banks, but it is uh, a government also a government agency, it has this double nature. Anyhow, the point is that they are authorized to commit a crime. Double standard of justice. Amendment 14B of 1935, which was approved by Congress and the Federal Reserve System became a conspirator. And this is seen as the loss of value in the purchasing, uh, the loss of purchasing power of the dollar. Well, this is what happened. And, and there's no two ways about this. Try to engage Ben, ben Bernanke or Alan Greenspan in a discussion. What is the value? Well, is there a valid reason for this double standard that the Treasury and the Federal Reserve can issue liabilities and stand aside and take no further responsibility? Is this limited government? Is this uh, how do you make it fit into the constitutional government? How, how can you do that when you give unlimited power to people, whether it's Alan Greenspan or Ben Bernanke or anybody else, and the same in the Treasury? The fact is that they may be, they may be honest people. They may be. I'm not saying that they are essentially crooks, because after all, they didn't invent the system, they came into the picture later. But, on the other hand, number one, there are temptations. If you're an honest person, you are under great deal of temptation to become dishonest because you can just dip into public funds and put it in, the, in your pocket or you can tip off relatives or friends or create a bank somewhere and allow them to dip into the public purse and keep doing that indefinitely. And inflation, price rise, well, that's another matter. We can't control the climate. We can't 
control the weather. We can't control tsunamis and earthquakes and floods. The same way we can't control inflation. It's nature given. You can pray for good weather, that's your privilege, but you cannot control the weather. You see how, how low this whole thing is, how dishonest this whole thing is, that taking over, overruling the Constitution also implies taking over education. And when I was a child and went to uh, primary school, we were taught of the virtue of saving, frugality. And we were told that all good comes from savings. And uh, the wisdom of uh, ben Benjamin Franklin that uh, one, save one penny makes you wealthy and rich. But overspend one penny makes you a poor, and well, something like that. I cannot quote it verbatim, but this is what we were taught. Today, ask your children if they ever mention the virtue of saving, of the wisdom of Benjamin Franklin, or any of the other norms whereby uh, our prosperity was built up over hundreds of years, which can be destroyed in a matter of few decades, which in fact is happening, and we are witnessing it. It's before our very eyes. And we may see it to some extent. Well, even I can, I can confess, and so did Mises, that he never thought the central bankers can go so low as they did. You know, and he, when they introduced various little housekeeping changes in central banking and treasury operations in the market, Mises admits it. He didn't even suspect that this is opening the avenue which is going down and going leads to hell. It came later to him. And he makes that confession. I am making the same confession here, that uh, when I started studying monetary economics, I never dreamed of the depth to which these so-called honest, competent gentlemen at the Treasury, at the Central Bank, can go to. That is the fact. So anyhow, we may see the light, or part of the light, but take the public at large. What do they see? Nothing. They just take it for granted that there is such a thing as inflation, like there is. there are earthquakes, so we can't help that. And there are these human institutions which take care of you, and everything is for you, for your benefit. If they do something, that's for your protection. And the public buys that. They feel confident. Nobody dreams who is drawing and relying on 
old age security in the United States and Canada, they call it something else. In uh, various European countries, they call it something else again. But there is an accepted belief that your funds are safe, out of which you, do, you get these monthly checks, and you rely on them. And you were told when at school that you don't have to worry about your future anymore because the government uh, has ways and means to protect you in old age or against any disaster, health or disability or otherwise because we have, uh, what is the word, we have a safety net. We, we cannot plunge to the ground and get killed because there's a safety, the government holds that safety net for you. It will catch you. You won't be hurt. The government is standing behind you. This is what people are told and people took it at face value. And in actual fact, there is no safety net. There is no, uh, this, uh, this idea of, uh, of uh, welfare state, that the government has the power to ensure everybody, it's a blanket insurance for the whole state, is just a contradiction in terms. There is no such thing. Because even if you finance it by taking it from Peter to pay Paul, or vice versa, even if you do that, there is a limit. And you run against that limit, and when you hit that limit, then the whole thing will collapse. People have no idea of the danger which we are facing. So, uh, you know, this is what I... Uh, thought that would be helpful to consider when we discuss the mistake of Mises. Paper money is not a present good under any circumstances. It's just a promise. And there are two problems with it. One is the possible dishonesty of the issuing of the uh, promiser, but even in the best of circumstances, when they are not issued dishonestly, they are not issued in bad faith, there is the adage that there are lots of slips between cup and lip. Anything can happen. You have the cup, it's full, and you want to drink, so you lift the cup, but it could slip out of your hand, and you won't even notice it. And that's the problem with this. And I think a monetary economist cannot make that kind of a mistake, because they are proper safeguards, and they have been used for hundreds of years before 1913. And they worked. Well, they may not have worked perfectly or ideally, but they worked a hundred times better than the present system, which allows 
unlimited power to be accumulated by these central banks, by these governments. And now we are seeing the consequences, the sovereign debt crisis in Europe is just a small part of it. The big part is coming when the headlines of the newspapers will talk about the sovereign debt crisis of the United States, because it is United States treasury debt, which is being used by all these other countries in Europe, in Asia, in Africa, in South America, everywhere in the world, as backing for paper money. And it is like hot air. You put hot air in a bag, tie it, put it in the vault, that's the backing. Uh, you know, I taught mathematics in Newfoundland. Uh, that's part of Canada now, uh, for 40 years. And Newfoundland is very famous of its fog. Fog. Well, of course, London is also famous, but Newfoundland is doubly famous because it is almost uh, continuously found. I remember month of August. For weeks we didn't see the sun, and the city of St. John's was in a dense fog in August. Now, that wouldn't happen in London, would it? <laughs> All right. Now, a smart entrepreneur started selling souvenirs. It was a smaller bottle like that, small like perfume bottle, okay? And put a label on Newfoundland fog sealed and sold it and people bought it. Believe it or not, uh, I mean tourists, but even locals, it made a wonderful uh, gift and uh, conversation piece and souvenir, everything. It worked. So imagine our society, if that works commercially in Newfoundland, it might just work in the whole and it does, because that is the reserve which central banks in Europe, in Asia, in Africa, Latin America, elsewhere, Australia, New Zealand, not accepted, are they? They, they the same thing. They put these little bottles of fog into their vault, and against it they are issuing legal tender currency, paper money, which according to Mises is a present good. Well, you have to live with the consequences. Thanks very much, Professor. I, I thought you were going to say they were issuing bottles of soft drink against the <laughs> fog and the reserves. You don't even have to that, do that. You, you, this you is backed by Fox. <laughs>